0: Welcome to the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast. Join Artem, Stefan, Ruslan, and Chris as we explore the latest trends and developments in the pharmaceutical industry with a focus on sales and technology. From cutting edge innovations to practical tips and strategies, our expert guests will provide valuable insights to help you stay ahead of the game. Tune in to stay informed, inspired, and connected with the world of pharma sales. Hello,
1: and here we have our usual Pharmatech on Sales podcast. And we have an amazing guest here who is extremely charismatic, I have to say. Please welcome Paul Sims, whose company is Inpatient Health. But I think the best way would be if Paul would do his own intro. Paul. Take the stage.
0: Hi, and thank you so much for the invitation to be here. My name is Paul. I run a company called Impatient Health, which is designed to make pharma more ambitious and creative. I believe that we are a young industry, not a mature one, because we are unevolved. We are still quite similar in evolutionary terms to like a single-cell species. We are single, you know, very unevolved to different habitats, and we need to gain different specialties as an industry to be able to serve patients better anti potential health, which at the moment, I would argue, we are still a long way away from. So we are trying to help pharma companies develop new skills, new abilities, new DNA almost in order to get there. Amazing to hear that because like, in my experience, pharma is quite conservative and,
1: you know, people are very changing their behavior very hard, but like sometimes I'm thinking maybe for why people are older than everyone else because they're very hard to change. They're very hard to, you know, they're very stubborn and they don't change behavior easily. Well, uh,
0: yeah. the average age might be older, you might be right. But at the same time, we're an industry that has grown up in a conservative way because safety is so important. We're dealing with life and death, and it's much better to be safe than to be anything else in our industry. The problem is that patients themselves now expect us to be innovative. They expect us to keep up with the modern world. And to do that we need to be at least partly experimental. We need to try new things. We need to have embrace we need to embrace risk in certain elements of what we do in order to make progress otherwise we are relegating ourselves to mere suppliers and uh, safety is not the only thing that we need to do to be able to serve real health care and real patients i agree
1: and i have a question for you paul so maybe you can share a specific example of successful sales strategy that maybe you've seen implement something that's in been be show in pharma that you've seen going on in the past maybe year or two
0: Maybe I'm going to sound really negative here, Stefan, but I don't think there's been sales strategies that have really fulfilled the potential that could be fulfilled. I think that successful is a relative word. And yes, of course, this is a profitable industry where certain medicines right now, for example, obesity medicines are at the very forefront and many advanced therapies like cell and gene therapies have been at the forefront for a while now and of course it's hard to say that these strategies are not successful because they have developed enormous profits and the industry in general has been very profitable over the last two or three years in some cases fostered by the pandemic in obvious mm-hmm. cases like pfizer and moderna etc but i would still say that we are some distance away from fulfilling the potential that we have and uh, it's interesting actually that this current crop of obesity drugs glp1 they're known for example example, Novo Nordisk increased its 2022 sales by 26%, largely on the back of these medicines. And it's interesting that these medicines are almost as much B2C as they are B2B. And indeed, much of the rise of the popularity of these medicines has been because of the public consciousness of them and the public desire to obtain them. They have been shown to create very significant weight loss in anyone, but in particularly, of course, in clinically obese patients. Uh, so I know that when you say what's a successful sales strategy, You want me to talk about the tactics of, you know, CRM and experience and all of Mm -hmm. these kind of, and of course I can do that, but I do just want to caveat what I'm saying with, I think that a successful sales strategy in our industry Mm -hmm. involves so much more than just being good at the traditional Salesforce effectiveness route. And I think that's being borne out on multiple dimensions. And one of the biggest dimensions that I think is showing is that most sales forces are being cut right now. I predicted at the start of the year that we would see 20% cuts across sales and marketing in the industry. And so far, we're, you know, we're talking towards the end of February right now, that has actually borne out with multiple announcements from almost every company, maybe not the drastic level of 20% yet, but certainly a significant single figure digits, percentage digits we're seeing. And so a successful sales strategy, (laughs) to try and really answer your question, obviously does depend on so much more than just being good at sales. But when you do think about just sales, I think that a successful strategy depends on different criteria from what we're used to in the past. It depends on being able to understand the scientific implications and understand how the disease actually works. So the sales rep needs to become more medically aware, medically astute, and to be able to have better quality conversations with the physician. I think it involves... Going to where the physician wants to be. So often we create branded efforts, but that's not necessarily where the HCP wants to spend their time. In the same way that if you wanted to book travel, Stephanie, we were talking about travel before we started. We pressed the record button. You know, if you wanted to take a flight, you wouldn't go to each individual airline website one by one to look at the prices and to look at the times. You would go to you know Tripadvisor, Expedia, Skyscanner, all of these portal websites. This is the places that you want to be as a consumer. This is how you find the opportunities and how you trust the information. You never trust the information fully. If you just go to one airline that says we have the best prices, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So in the same way, pharmaceutical companies need to invest in independent portal sites, as opposed to their own branded other, you know, old fashioned kind of sites. So Mm -hmm. this is just one example of where we need to advance our thinking to be successful in sales. And I think the sales force themselves need to be very entrepreneurial. They need to be guided. Often by Next Best Action tools, which is one technology that does seem to be making a real real impression.
1: I have have a question here. So, what would you say would make them top of mind, right? What do they do differently? Best Action,
0: they, well, on a very simple level, they help the field person, whether it's a medical or a salesperson, determine what the best course of action is given all of the available information that can be obtained. And the best systems, they really do harness all of the information right down to the weather that day you know, maybe the weather is not a big influence, but it's still an influence as to which physician might be the best to call on and what message to use on a particular day. And, you know, AI systems themselves, they the best ones are deep. They're not rules-based and they can identify themselves what the most important information is to base the criteria on based on their success. Of course, AI has become very mainstream in the last few months with Chat GPT and other tools that have brought some of the technology to the fore for a lot of people. So there are you know it's really about the technology first but there are some very good tools being made now and i would say that you have you to be willing to embrace
1: can you name a few that you've heard salespeople use maybe some sort of trends there Our
0: next action systems well of course most of the large players like viva and iqvia offer ai supported crm tools which go some way mm-hmm. personally uh, i'm a bigger fan of some of the standalone companies people will have heard of Actana, which is quite rules-based, Okra is a forerunner. Okra has just been purchased by, or acquired, should I say, by Envision. These guys are a standalone, well, they were a standalone next best action and AI intelligence company that really lived or died based on the quality of their AI and the quality of the insights they give. And managed to get pretty strong traction with several teams working in this area because the teams actually enjoyed using it. It was like a trusted companion rather than a kind of replacement for the sales rep. And they also made sure that their AI was very transparent. They call it explainability to make sure that the AI can always be queried and understood so that you're never kind of being given orders by a black box, which of course is a very hard way to trust anything. So I thought they kind of almost took a sociological angle, not just a technical angle to make The technology really are examples of some companies.
1: Do you see it being used in consultancy companies who work with pharma or in pharma itself? Do you see any use?
0: I think ChatGPT has many uses. The danger is that it gets used, of course, for making medical decisions. And in that case, basically where accuracy is very important, ChatGPT is very dangerous. If you need to be able to rely on the accuracy of something, for example, how to take a medicine, then you would always have to do additional checks with ChatGPT. However, where something is not required to be accurate, for example, writing marketing messaging or figuring out a business plan or a project plan for a piece of work, that Mm -hmm. is, of course, where it can be very useful. And I think we are obviously only scratching the surface of what large language models can do. I think that much of the innovation, of course, it's kind of sparked a bit of an arms race. The ChatGPT, we've obviously got the Microsoft Bing having it incorporated, but Google is now trying to respond. And although OpenAI, who are the owners of ChatGPT and their other products, they are being very cautious and saying that they are going to release products quite slowly and carefully yeah the truth is that the arms race is going to drive a lot of competition and a lot of desire to rush out products which may not be perfect and i think we actually already saw this with google's offering that they released two weeks ago and that you've got the danger of it becoming kind of hype and then the reality becoming you know boring frankly you know, every piece of content is produced by ChatGPT. I mean, it's the same thing as like when email first arrived, it was amazing, right? But then you have spam. When the car first arrived, it was amazing, but then you have traffic jams. When ChatGPT arrives, it's amazing, but now you have content overload potentially, right? Yeah. So you always a negative to every positive, particularly innovations, which are super popular.
1: I have a question about pharma. Like, how should pharma cultivate this culture, like
0: innovational and Experimentational culture within their sales team, marketing team. What should they do? The first thing that needs to happen is to stop measuring everything through one single lens, which historically has been sales targets, right? Yeah. No, salesperson can get to the end of the year and say, you know what? I didn't hit my sales target, but I learned lots of new stuff. Expect to keep their job, right? Mm -hmm. So, whilst obviously there is going to be an imperative for people to hit their sales targets, it cannot be the only thing that people are measured on. Otherwise, there is no room to innovate. There's no room to try anything different that might be unsuccessful. Innovation requires a culture of enabling some degree of failure for at least a period of time. There's very few innovations that come out without a period of failure. The overnight success is what Hollywood tells you is possible but it's mm-hmm. rarely true. We all know this, and, uh, but we don't give room for this type of experimental approach. And mm-hmm. so the first thing we need to do is to stop measuring the wrong things. We talk about agility and agility is a buzzword which unfortunately gets used just to m- mean kind of go faster, which is not what agility is about at all. Agility is a management system for enabling iterative development, which uses the market to tell you whether you're doing the right thing or not. And in order to make a market-based learning system, you have to define different metrics other than your sales targets Mm -hmm. to learn what is getting traction with your customer and to build the right product. We're taking these buzzwords, but we're not using them properly. I would argue there is no pharma company today that has got a proper learning accounting system that is enabling a customer-facing organization to become a learning organization first and to actually Mm -hmm. develop new it's properly, it unfortunately doesn't exist. I,
1: I'm actually curious about well, how do you approach sales pipeline management like nowadays? Because you mentioned that you have sales
0: targets, how should pharma approach their sales targets or KPIs differently? Pharma companies should still have ambitions, still have a destination where mm-hmm. they're trying to get which might look like a target. We're trying to become a $2 billion company instead of a $1.5 billion company. Fine. But all the best plans have flexibility baked into them. So when you talk about sales planning, I think there has to be a degree of freedom and trust for your sales force and know the best way to get there. Yeah. And I also think they need longer term sales targets, not quarterly. The problem with a lot of public companies and a lot of pharma, most pharma companies, of course, are public companies, they are report, they are forced to report on a quarterly basis and therefore show results on a quarterly basis. And it can be very hard to be a truly innovative company that has to report that frequently. And it has to be in this endless cycle of how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? The technology companies that have been successful at this kind of thing, I'm talking of companies like Amazon and Apple, of course, they've managed to create successful, well, when I say innovation success by being great storytellers, actually. So for example, Apple can tell a great story by actually hiding its product innovation deliberately from the market and having a lot of innovation that happens behind the scenes and is not publicly talked about and is revealed only when it's ready. Whereas a company Mm -hmm. like Amazon, you might remember Amazon was not profitable for probably 15, maybe even 20 of its 25 years of existence so far. And they were able to grow their share price enormously, grow their trust amongst shareholders enormously by good storytelling and showing investors how they are actually developing a fantastic company that is deliberately not profitable in short term. And they could train their shareholders to understand the metrics that were right for them. So I actually think that's probably Amazon's greatest skill or has been Amazon's greatest skill, even beyond their ability to innovate, is to be able Mm. to create a patient shareholder that allowed them to innovate on a different style from how we're used to in other companies.
1: You certainly need patience and, you know, which is, I guess, the needed thing for many industries. And yeah, I agree with you that uh, the fact that you have to report, you always have to report and you have a regulatory in the public, each of your steps, I mean, pharma doesn't help with innovation, right? Doesn't help at all.
0: It doesn't help. And especially when there's a natural intrigue, of course, I used the word experimentation earlier. And, you know, when you're dealing with life or death, it's very difficult to experiment. You have to experiment in a very narrow range so that you're not causing harm, potentially to people, or you're not spreading the wrong messages to people who are not creating misinformation. And of course, we all know how easy it is to create misinformation in healthcare. The problem, of course, is that this this experimentation will continue even if pharma is not the one driving it. Patients will experiment with their own bodies, with their own lifestyle, with their own medication regimens, and people will experiment with communication. That is what a lot of miscommunication is. They will tell people that Vaccines are bad for you. So all of this so-called innovation, or at least experimentation is going to continue whether farmer's there or not. And the more farmer distance itself and tries to not be part of the conversation, unfortunately, the more distrust is bred. And we all know that we distrust large organizations anyway.
1: <laughs> I, I can clearly see that. That's why one of the points we were discussing before we started recording is how would you see it? it's like a culture of innovation being built in a, maybe a smaller company? More formal company that's not yet public, maybe something that's private. And have you seen a successful case? Or you built one, yes. something like that?
0: So what I'm really trying to convey here is this sense of firstly having different metrics beyond just the short-term financial and having trust from leadership. I think those are two essential ingredients for allowing the innovation and experimentation. It's why companies that were a smaller company like Leo, for example, a dermatology-focused company, was so good over the past decade, I would say, at being innovative and gaining huge traction with the patient community, huge attraction with the ACP community, huge respect within the industry that allowed them to attract some of the best talent, enabling even to attract talent from outside our industry, technology talent, for example, and actually giving them the mandate to be creative and experimental. All of these things actually do come from management and leadership. Sometimes I think of the moonshot, right? We're going to put a man on the yeah. moon, okay? And in order to be able to to say, in order to be able to create something that has never been done before like that, you've got to have a clear destination, put a man on the moon, super simple. Everyone can understand it, easy to get to. People can equally understand it externally and internally. And the famous story is when, you know, the janitor, when asked about cleaning the bathrooms, actually said, well, no, I'm helping to get a man on the moon, right? Even yeah, 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 Right down to the, to the very straight, you know, simple level, people bought into the mission. So, but then huge flexibility in how you get there, trusting the people to figure out their own way and feeling personally ambitious to actually achieve that goal, knowing that it's going to reward them, but it's also going to reward the patients or whatever social goal that they might have in them and to obviously create that win-win situation. And it's so easy when things go wrong to become like an autocratic, detail-oriented micromanager. And that, of course, mm-hmm. is what vents innovation. And by the way, having that destination, that kind of moonshot destination, firstly, it attracts a lot of attention, so that holds you accountable. And then the accountability drives the action itself. That's yeah. what happened? with the moonshot. So it's, I call it the four A's, ambition, then attention, then accountability, then action. And then you've also just got a situation where you are stating very clearly that your pharma company, which only really knows how to do one thing, to develop and distribute drugs is now going to try and do something else or something bigger mm-hmm. and that in itself can enable a lot of innovation underneath so what is leadership's ambition in the first place it really does pay well to have an ambition that is beyond the obvious it makes sense so you gotta have a mission
1: right which is bigger than the company itself right maybe bigger than you
0: i have a question probably is the last
1: question i'm going to give you today so if you had to give one voice to pharma companies right
0: what would that advice get outside of your four walls and see things from a perspective other than yours probably because pharma is covering such a small part of what is needed in the world yes it's been able to create a profitable business by making drugs but it is not solving health as yet now, the truth is that I used the, the analogy of evolution and DNA at the beginning of this conversation. And the truth is that it's very hard for any organization to change its DNA in the same way that it's very hard for any person to change their DNA. The truth is that the only way you can create different DNA in evolution is through mating sex or through, you know, some form of changing your environment or your habitat. And the same is true of business. You have to do the business equivalent, which is partnerships. Partnerships, alliances, uncommon companies joining forces together. That's the only way to create new DNA and new capabilities and new business models. So you can't just say we want to be X if X Mm -hmm. is is different from what you were before. You have to say we want to be X, and we are willing to work with others to get there, to work in in it as a team sport as opposed to a single sport. Pharma companies are very insular, very inward focused. It amazes me how much intelligence is dedicated to such narrow fields in our industry, where people, brilliant people, work on very important but narrow-minded solutions for their entire careers in a very siloed way, and find it amazing when there is an alternative business model described to them, but they find it very difficult to then implement because they can't look outside or work outside of their narrow boundary.
1: The other day I was watching a movie about the Wall Street and they were talking to an engineer, like an MIT engineer who became an analyst on the Wall Street. And someone said, well, the best minds of the world are basically making click on ads or more shares, which is like
0: so pretty like so. Pathetic, right? They should create new drugs. Yeah, way it but it's is. not their fault. It's the system's fault. Like, you know, we live in a capitalist society. That's not going to change. And capitalism drives people into eking out 1% more extra clicks on advertising. And we call that innovation. And uh, that is how the world has been. But true innovators, you know, the people that we all put on a stage and think of as amazing, everyone from Steve Jobs to Henry Ford, they all say, you know, if I relied on customer research, then I would, would have died. If I asked what people want, they would say a faster horse, they actually have to propose something new to the market. I call it customer leadership. They have to lead their customer. They can't just follow them. You've
1: you got to train the cars and show that this is what you guys are going to Yeah, yeah. What the customers
0: you... never know what they want beyond the short term. And this is something you can study. Clay Christensen, who was a professor at Harvard Business School, wrote a book called The Innovators' Dilemma, very famous. Okay. He will teach us all that relying on customer and market research is an inevitable recipe for failure in the longer term. Yeah, that's
1: for sure. All right. Paul, it was very innovative. found a lot of new details for myself. And I hope our audience as well. Thank you so much. You guys can find Paul, who has a great following on LinkedIn,
0: Paul Sims. Sure. i probably spend too much time there. So uh, yeah, easy to find me there.
1: I do as well. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) No problem. Thank you for the conversation. It's been fun.